Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Dave Wyman and I got Ray Roberts with me tonight. Ray, well, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, dude. I, I, was, I was telling uh, uh, NASA, our producer here, uh, good thing I left my house really early because in my brain, I was thinking Tulalip. And I, got, and I got pretty far <laughs> on my way. And, and I realized I was going the wrong direction. No, no, no. So I'm it's glad I was able to make it. Snoqualmie Casino. Uh, <laughs> you, you're going to love this place, Ray. They are so good to us here. And a beautiful restaurant, Vista, over there. Really good food. And uh, it's not that far to get up here. You're right. You get past Issaquah, it's like 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, I've, I've driven past there a few times because I have buddies that live out here in Fall City and stuff. But I've never been in the casino itself. So it's, it was good to get down in here. And it's kind of in the cut a little bit off the road. Like, yep. so back in the, back in the, you know, where I grew up in the hood, we call that, it's kind of in the cut a little bit. And so cut. Kinda, yeah, because it's down, it's kind of off the road, like, a little bit off the beaten path, a little bit, so it's kind of in the cut a little gotcha. bit. I got myself a new term now. I like that. <laughs> All right, Ray, coming off, uh, it was a nice trip out to Atlanta. That place is beautiful, by the way. Yeah. The Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium, and Seahawks jumped out to a 24 nothing lead at halftime and let him get back in the game a little bit. But uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you first of all, 4 0 on the road, it's the first time in 39 years. Well, you know, the, the thing that's pretty cool about that is, and uh, I know that you guys have talked about it on your show a little bit too, is like the few years ago when it was just like they couldn't win on the road and they were going through all of these different things to figure out how to win on the road, when they're going to leave, how long they're going to stay, like yeah. you know, when they're going to leave for the game, what bus they're going to ride, all these different things to try to figure it out. And now it seems like they figured it out. And yeah. uh, even, even making a little uh, tweak to it this year where everyone gets on the same bus Right. and gets over to the game. And so uh, whatever that means and whatever that has done for the psyche and for them to be able to get their biorhythms together on the road, they've been able to do it. But also they have, I think they have the type of team, the type of play that travels well. Hmm. I mean, they, they don't throw the ball a ton. You know, they throw it enough. They run and they play just bend but don't break defense. So to me it just kind of, it kind of suits itself for being able to be successful on the road. You know, it's funny. The 10 a.m. time slot is what we used to always worry about. Yep. I remember when the uh, the schedule would come out in 2012, 13. Well, and certainly before that, you go, oh, man, look at these trips. And the NFL is, you know, really jobbing mm-hmm. us with these, you know, start times. And now we don't even talk about it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, it's like they, uh, whatever they did to kind of crack the code yeah. around how to get themselves ready to win on the road. Uh, they've been able to do it. And so, you know, this year, like, like you said, they have a, a better road on, a record on the road than they have at home. And so uh, that bodes well going down the stretch because this team tends to get better the second half of the season. Even Pete was talking about that at the press conference yeah. after the game a little bit and was saying that this is now the beginning of the end for them, like beginning yeah. to the end of the season, the second half. They tend to get better. So if they can uh, increase their play, win their share of games on the road I mean, and, and at home, uh, I, have, I, have, I feel good about where they are right now. Yeah, to that, well, I'm glad to hear that, Ray, because yeah. there's been lots of hand-wringing over the 6-2 and two team. <laughs> I, I was know, asked right. earlier today, like, uh, what, what's your most positive takeaway uh, from this team? I'm like, we're 6-2, and two, right? Man. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's one thing. Uh, real quick, uh, we're going to get an opponent preview from Greg Allman from The Athletic. That's coming up at 7.15 in the next segment. And then we're going to talk to, Ray and I are going to talk to tight end Jacob Hollister, who I've interviewed before. Great, 
great guy and good tight end, really fast, uh, almost like a receiver. John Clayton at 745. At 815, we're going to go inside the film room and t- take a look at three of the most crucial plays uh, from the game against Atlanta. And then Taylor Jacobs, our own Taylor Jacobs, is going to interview and play video games against rookie L.J. Collier. So, uh, Ray, I'm glad you're here this week because one of the things that people are wringing their hands over is the injury to Justin Britt. Right. And certainly a really big one for – he's a very important – as far as, uh, you know, getting the offense right mm-hmm. and, you know, the offensive line, and he's the connection with the quarterback and with Russell Wilson, having him go down probably – I don't know, maybe the most key player on that offensive line. Well, well, the other thing, too, about Justin is that if you think about it with, uh, I think this was like probably the seventh or eighth year in a row where the starting five offensive line had been different at the beginning of the season than it was a year before. Yeah. But the one consistent has been Justin Britt. Yeah. Like he has, he has been Russell's center for the, the last, you know, five, six years. And he's kind of grown really well into the position to where they, they surrounded him with some good guard play. So it also elevated his play. He's a big body, big athletic dude, smart dude. And so when he goes down, it's almost like uh, like part of your control center, part of your communication system goes down with it. So I know we showed up here today, like maybe there's some issues with like the, the Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff. Well, when Justin Brick goes down, hey, something's going on with the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi goes <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so, but luckily you have a guy like Hunt who is not as big, not as athletic and all that, but he's just as smart. He yeah. kind of knows where to go, where to direct the offense to, uh, how to get people in the right uh, in the right place, and Russell's very familiar with him. He's been around for a long time. So Justin Britt, like obviously Hunt, doesn't replace everything that he brings to the table, and, and I think it's going to be a challenge this week. Uh, but they have they have someone that can that can hold it together, and as long as he leans on those two guards. Uh, I think he can. I think it'll be okay in the middle. Yeah, I always say how smart Joey Hunt is, and somebody asked me, "Well, what makes you think that?" I'm like, "Well, he plays all three positions. Yeah. We've seen him play tackle, and same thing with Justin Britt. He started as a mm-hmm. right tackle's rookie year. I thought he played well, and then they moved him inside to guard, and not so good there. But then once they put him at center, uh, everything just clicked for him. So yeah, uh, the thing about that, Dave, is a lot of people to always say that the offensive line is like the most misunderstood position in all of sports because most people think it's just big dudes pushing on big dudes. They don't understand like the technique that it takes. They don't understand like you're just saying for a guy to be able to play all those different positions, the intelligence that it takes to do that. Even if you're like you may think like it's the same if you're if you go from left tackle to right tackle, you're playing tackle, it should be the same. But like your power angles are different. Like sure. the, your, the, the way you kind of see the field and visualize the field is different. So unless you've been doing that your whole career, it's really hard to switch sides like that, which then speaks to Jamarco Jones, who had never played guard before and then started a whole game, a couple games at guard, and then last week slid in, slid in at left guard when Upati went out, right. and he was taking snaps at center uh, this year, uh, uh, last week, and he played four years at tackle in college. So it takes a whole lot of intelligence, athletic ability, and just understanding and knowledge of what what needs to get done and how it needs to be communicated to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I think you finally got me talked into that offensive linemen are pretty smart, Ray. Well, I appreciate I always it, think I've, been, I've known you for a long time. I've been at it. I've been chipping away at it since 1992. <laughs> I always like to say linebackers are the smartest. But, no, it's a lot goes into that. And I'm always very impressed by that because, you know, playing those different positions nowadays – guys will say well it's you know not that big of a deal i always thought it was a huge deal going from like a three four to a four three yeah you know you're just looking at uh 
the game differently, you know, whether it's on the left side, the right side, and I think it's a bigger deal than some of the guys let on now. But, you know, with Joey Hunt, hopefully he's got a good connection uh, with Russell Wilson. And, well, we got a lot of th- things to get through, but uh, I think we got to try to get to this guy, Greg Allman, for an opponent preview because it's probably late where he is. It's probably 10 o'clock, and he's uh, <laughs> wanting to get some sleep. But uh, we're going to talk to him next on Hawks Live. It's Greg Allman from The Athletic. He'll give us a preview of Tampa Bay. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino, Ray Roberts and Dave Wyman. And right now we're going to get an opponent preview from Greg Allman. He writes for The Athletic. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hope you guys are doing well. Doing great, and happy Halloween, by the way. And uh, did you dress up tonight? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, any any costume for you tonight? We're dressed up as broadcasters. <laughs> Kids here. did really well. Uh, it's like we're we're just done here, so I guess you guys are just getting started out there. But uh, <laughs> yep. yeah, no, good time and uh, nice weather, so it's good. All right, Greg. I guess my first question is uh, Jameis Winston. I, I just want to hear what kind of a guy he is. I, I watched him on Hard Knocks. I ended up really liking him. I think his heart's in the right place. But I guess the the word I would use for him is he's a little bit reckless, like maybe a gunslinger. He's got 70 interceptions in four and a half years. How is the whole thing with Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians? How's the project going that is Jameis Winston? Yeah, unfortunately, it's still kind of inconsistent. Um, I think they had hoped to kind of turn a corner, uh, get him a little bit steadier, a little bit more reliable. So you you had uh, three games where the turnovers are really a problem. Um, he's got 13 turnovers in those games, um, and that's the loss to the 49ers, the loss to the Panthers in London, and then the Titans this past week. But then you have four games where he's played really well. Um, his passer rating's been over 100. I think he has two interceptions total in those four games. So you just don't know which Jameis you're going to get. If you could get the ones from week two through five on a consistent basis, that's what they're looking for. Unfortunately, you you get the guy that had six turnovers against Carolina and four turnovers last week against Tennessee. So it's it's hard to know who he's going to be. Uh, Greg, this is uh, Ray Roberts here with with Dave. Uh, I had a couple questions. The first one is – the defensive side of the ball seems to be the the same as as Jameis Winston. They're up and down, and they are really solid against the run, but not as well against the pass. Uh, so, what accounts for that? Is it the pass rush? Is it the secondary? You know, what accounts for them being a good run defenders? And then, and then, secondly, like, what is the ceiling of for this team for this year? Yeah, I mean, right now, overall, I think there's a disappointment. I think they'd hope to be better than two and five right now. Um, you know, to get Bruce Arians out of retirement. Um, you know, he had a pretty good turnaround in Arizona his first year there. Took a team that was five and eleven, and got them ten and six. So I think the hope, even though the Bucks, you know, haven't had a year where they're that good in quite a while here, um, was that they could do that. They could have a quick fix and really make a difference. You know, not with a huge ton of changes in personnel, and mostly just on the coaching side. And it hasn't been there yet. Um, they're two and five, and there's two games where. You know, they lost to the Giants. That's a game they like to have back. They basically just missed a field goal at the buzzer on that one. And then had the lead in the fourth quarter Sunday in Tennessee and couldn't hold on. So right now I think the overwhelming feeling, feeling it is that of missed opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. Now they've won games they shouldn't. Um, they went out to Los Angeles and beat the Rams. So if you've done that, it's not entirely crazy to think they could go out to Seattle and get a win. 
Um, you asked about the defense, and, and it's weirdly lopsided. They're maybe the NFL's best defense against the run. They're one of the league's worst against the pass. Um, they've got a young secondary. Um, they haven't probably gotten the pressure they need to make life easier for young defensive backs. So you had a lot of quarterbacks that have kind of been able to carve them up and move the ball and move the chains. Um, and that's, that's going to be a work in progress. Um, the hope is that it's a young secondary and that they'll grow into it, and by the second half of the season, they'll start playing the way they want. But right now, it, it's definitely problematic. And to see a quarterback like Russell Wilson that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and is really smart with the football, that, that's not going to help things on Sunday. We're talking to Greg Allman from The Athletic. Uh, tell me about the, the, the culture and tell us about Bruce Arians. He's, he's always been a guy, a little bit of a mystery. I know that some he's not super popular here in Seattle because he's come up here and beat us four out of five times uh, when he was with Arizona. And a couple of times he said he was going to come up and do it. I think, did he say something this week, Greg, about coming up to Seattle and beating the Seahawks? I thought I heard something like that. No, he didn't, and we we kind of wondered about that because, you know, the last time in 17, his last game with the Cardinals was in Seattle, and, and they had kind of caught him in the locker room after the previous game saying, we're going up to our home field. Um, and he kind of, like, apologized for that and said, well, at the time he said, you know, that's something that was meant for the locker room, not meant for the other team. But then, you know, after he won up there, again, this is the last week of 17, I think he opened his presser by saying, thanks for coming to my, my house. So, I mean, I think he's enjoyed that. Um, and to his credit, I think he's been smart not to say anything close to that. Um, you know, just said he enjoys the atmosphere. Um, said it's like a soccer crowd because it never really lets up. Lots of noise throughout. Really enjoys the environment. Thinks that his team could even feed off the energy of, of playing at CenturyLink on Sunday. So, no, he was very uh, reverential and polite and respectful probably a smart thing to do it's one thing if you got bulletin board material from two years ago it's another if you got bulletin board material from wednesday <laughs> that's right hey greg can you talk to us a little bit about uh shaquille barrett like uh he he kind of popped on the scene it was a little bit quiet as the season started but he had one game where he had four sacks and another game where he had three sacks has 10 for the season uh where where has that production come from and uh what what has kind of clicked for him uh with the tampa bay buccaneers yeah, it's been a while. Um, Shaq's a good story, you know, kind of a, a long time back up in Denver, you know, stuck behind some really good pass rushers and guys like Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware and then even Chubb this last year there. And the Bucks got him cheap, uh, one year, $4 million. I think the Bengals were the only other team that really expressed an interest in free agency. Um, and they did well. I mean, I think they identified him as somebody that would do well given a larger role. Um, like you said, had two great games in September, was the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. Um, you know, I think they've caught on to him a little bit. Now, I think he had nine sacks in his first four games, now has one in his last three. But, I mean, he was a big part of that win in Los Angeles. Had an interception in the game, had a sack fumble that turned into a touchdown to kind of clinch it. So, no, he's been really impressive. And I think getting Jason Pierre-Paul back, they just got him mm. back from a neck injury last week. Um, having the two of them, I think it helps in that you can't really key on one or try and take one out, because if you put too much attention on one, the other one's going to go make plays. So with, with Pierre Paul uh, been in the mix, will, that, would, will they slide um, Ndamukong Sue inside a little bit more? Because uh, I know he was playing kind of on the edge a little bit, and uh, uh, Vita Vea was kind of holding down the middle. Right, yeah, it's kind of a strange deal. They, they run a 3-4, so, I mean, they, they like rotating Sue and Vea 
uh, one that knows one outside, that kind of thing. And then Pierre Paul, you know, they can use as an end when they're a nickel. They can use him as an outside linebacker in their base defense. So they try and move him around a fair amount. Um, they, they've kind of stuck him out wide. When they're in nickel, Pierre Paul can even go inside and be a nickel rusher from inside. So the idea, I think, is that you, you kind of have all these movable parts. And ideally, if you keep moving them around, it's harder to line up double teams. It's harder to, to know where the attack is coming from. So, yeah, they, they've done well. Their front seven is probably what they do best right now. Um, it hasn't generated a, a crazy amount of sacks beyond Barrett. I think they have maybe five or six sacks from guys that aren't Shaq Barrett. Um, but like I said, getting pressure, you know, it'll be a huge part of any success they want to have is is getting Russell Wilson kind of off balance and, and uncomfortable and not giving him time to, to pick that secondary apart. We're talking to Greg Allman from The Athletic down in Tampa Bay. Um, I've been a huge fan of Levante, David, for, for a while. And it's funny, you know, in the NFL, we all know this, you, you look every week, oh, the team's two and five, they're one and six, then you start looking at, Baller, baller, baller. I'm looking at Dominican Sue, Shaq Barrett, uh, Devin White, who's the first-round draft choice. But, Greg, tell us uh, who, who's a guy that maybe not a front-line name that, uh, that really stands out to you and Seahawks fans should watch out for. Yeah, you know, they've got a lot of young defensive backs that they're really starting to trust in bigger roles. So uh, there's a kid named Sean Murphy Bunting, who was a second-round draft pick at uh, a Central Michigan um, kind of an unknown, played on a you know one-win team last year, was their second-round pick. And, and he's starting to get a little bit of momentum. He, he had barely played it all in the first month of the season, and they kind of moved him in as the nickel. And then he had even swapped out and was playing some outside corner. Um, had one interception against the Saints, but really hasn't had a big splash yet. But he's a guy that they really like. Um, I think he's going to come, you know, start becoming a guy that's almost an every-down player for them. Uh, playmaker in college, good speed, good size. Uh, that's somebody I would definitely watch if they're going to have any kind of success, you know, containing the the, the Seahawks passing game. Um, they've got to trust their corners, and, and he'll be a big part of that. So, so Greg, as you look at uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense against Seattle's defense, and Seattle hasn't quite generated the pass rush and pressures and sacks that they've that they have liked it as well. And so you have on the outside Mike Evans and uh, Chris. Uh, is it Goodwin? How how do you see Godwin, them matching yeah. up against uh, Seattle secondary? Because they they've I mean in all the inconsistency and the up and down they've they've kind of had really good years so far. Yeah, I mean both guys are in the top five I think in receiving yards per game. Yeah. They're tied for the NFL lead in touchdowns. Um, they're the two guys that have really clicked well, and I think they've fed off each other. Um, when Mike Evans gets a lot of coverage, it leaves Chris Godwin open. Uh, last week it was like Godwin probably got a little more coverage. I think Mike Evans had 198 yards and two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter last week. So um, they present a challenge because it's, it's two, basically, guys that are playing like number one receivers. So as long as Jameis has the time to get it to him, um, they're usually good for, I think they're both pretty much at 100 yards a game right now. What the Bucks would like to do is get somebody else that can step up either as a number three receiver. Um, their tight ends are pretty dinged up this week. I don't think you'll see O.J. Howard. You might not even see Cameron Braid. Uh, so the tight ends won't be nearly the threat they usually are. And that probably means, honestly, that they lean on those two even more on Sunday. Well, Greg, we really appreciate your time. We'll let you get to bed there and uh, <laughs> hope to see you up here in Seattle on Sunday. Outstanding. Looking forward to it. And thank you guys again for having me on. All right. Thank you. There he goes, Greg Allman from The Athletic. We're coming up next. 
Ray and I will talk to tight end Jacob Hollister. That's next, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman and Ray Roberts. And we got on the phone tight end Jacob Hollister. Jacob, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, are you getting any trick-or-treaters there at your house? <laughs> I'm not. I'm in a uh, apartment complex, so uh, I put a put a bowl out just in case just in case some kids come alive. But I don't think there's too many. Okay, there you go. Well, by the way, what's the cutoff for trick or treating in your mind? I was asked that today. I got two kids. What what is it? Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen? What do you think? Oh man, depends. I don't even want to say how late I was going. But uh, <laughs> no, I th- yeah, I think it's right up there. I feel like I feel like high school is when people stop doing it. Yeah. And you went to high school down in Bend, Oregon, right? And I made your way yes, to, to Wyoming. And just to get to know you, I talked to you the other day. You also have a twin brother. I do. How strange yeah, is we, that? Uh, I actually, yeah, because we went to Nevada out of high school together. And then we went to Arizona Western Junior College together also. And then from there, I, I uh, got the offer to Wyoming. And he got an offer to Arkansas. So that's when we split up. Yeah. Now, is he on a team currently? I, th- I know he was maybe on a practice squad or something. Or yeah, he is. He's he's with the Titans. Um, and yeah, the past two years we were with the Patriots actually together. And then he uh, he just signed with the Titans uh, this past spring when I got traded over here. That's great. Hey, uh, uh, Jacob, we were talking earlier about <clears throat> when you play on the offensive line and you're asked to switch positions from guard to tackle tackle the center, guard the center, left to right side, like all the intelligence and, and the adjustments and athleticism it takes to do that. Well, the, the tight end position is like the super Swiss Army knife. So can you, can you talk yeah. to us about the mindset of, of a tight end? Because sometimes you're blocking monstrous defensive ends. Sometimes you, if it's in some offenses you're asked to trap a, a, a defensive tackle, then you're having to block linebackers. You have to run pass routes, catch the ball, get tackled. Like, what is the mindset of a tight end to be able to prepare yourself for all those different duties? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you said it pretty well. Um, I think that, you know, as a tight end, especially when you're when you're learning a play in general, <clears throat> you generally want to learn the whole concept. So, um, you know, not only tight ends, but receivers and, and other positions also. But I think especially as a tight end, you want to be really aware of, of what everybody's doing on the play because you know that you could be plugged in at a lot of different spots, whether it's split out as a receiver or in line as a tight end or, or in the backfield, whatever it is. So I think that kind of like you said, you want to um, be a Swiss Army knife of a player and, and really have a good idea of, of the whole play and the design of it because you know that you could be plugged in in a lot of different areas. We're talking to Jacob Hollister, tight end for the Seahawks, and uh, seems like a pretty cool room. I know Will Disley. I'm not sure if he is he still coming in for meetings because I know he yeah, had his yeah. surgery. Yeah, Will's still around, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Ed Dixon I've spoken to a number of times, really cool guy, but also you got Luke Wilson in there. Are you guys a tight group there? Oh, for sure, yeah, because obviously, uh, you know, we had the injury to Will and, and Nick before he Nick before he got traded also. I was pretty close to him, but. Yeah, that's one thing I love about about our room. We're all really close, um, really good group of guys. We just, you know, obviously with a guy like like Lou too, he keeps it really keeps it really fun in there, which is good for me sometimes. Kind of uh, taking myself too serious sometimes. So, 
He uh, he keeps it fun for sure, and I, I had that over in New England with Gronk too. So uh, it's nice having that definitely. Oh, that's right. You, he went from Gronk to Luke Wilson. Pretty pretty similar as far as <laughs> guys a little, a little <laughs> off oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, it's J- been some great personalities. <laughs> hey, Jacob, like. Uh, Talk us through what, what you would say at this point of your career and what you bring to the Seahawks offense. What is probably your, your greatest strength? And then what is maybe not a weakness, but something that you're working on and developing? Yeah, uh, I'd say, um, you know, my, my greatest strength, I think, as a football player in general is just my versatility and uh, athleticism and ability to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, whether that's route running. Um, you know, route running is something that I've – uh, spent a lot of time on. I've tried to. I've tried to learn from a lot of different guys throughout my career to this point, um, and I, I haven't had you know a ton of receptions to this point in my career. But I feel like I've, I've definitely had a lot of you know help from from veterans around me and coaches along the way, where uh, it's just helped me out a lot. And uh, you know, I'm hoping that I get a chance to show that more you know here in the future, in the near future. And um, but yeah, when it comes to you know things I need to work on and, and things that really has been great about me being here and, and coming to Seattle is, um, you know, obviously you want to be an all-around tight end, and I feel like my blocking uh, has improved a lot since I got here. Um, you know, technique and, and want to is a big, big factor in blocking. Uh, so, you know, working on my technique and, and all that uh, is just something that the coaches have been great, great about here, and uh, just getting more and more experience in that area has been awesome. All right, we're talking to tight end Jacob Hollister, and I, I got to ask you this, Jacob. And I know that that Seahawk fans want the answer to this t- question to be, "He's the devil," okay? <laughs> but the the question is, Bill Belichick, and you can keep know. it short. Yeah, you already knew that was coming. But what kind of uh, what kind of coach? Tell uh, the fans what kind of coach Bill Belichick is. Man, he's. I think he's a lot different um, than you would think. He's, you know, he's. He definitely puts out a, a certain persona uh, in the media, but that's definitely not uh, who he really is. He's a lot more down to earth, um, really personable guy uh, to his players and, and to the other coaches and all of his staff. So uh, he really is, you know, a great guy to to play for, and um, you know he does things a certain way. And but he's not fake about anything. He's he's very real about it. And so I think that you know his players and, and staff always respect that. Damn it! I was really hoping for the devil, but uh, no. I, everybody here in Seattle, of course. And then talk about Pete Carroll, and you know, are they really that different? Because I think everybody says they're totally different, but behind the scenes, yeah, you know, maybe that's not as it appears. Yeah, I mean, I think at first glance you think like these guys are are just completely different, and um, you know, in a lot of ways they obviously are the way that they present themselves. Um, but I think that there's also a lot of similarities. I feel like, you know, you see two guys who are very, very passionate about what they do and, and they put the team first and everything that they that they do and what they want to achieve. And um, just both really respectable coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I get the feeling, the same feeling from being at both. You have, you have coaches that you want to play uh, really hard for, that you just have a lot of respect for. Uh, and I just get that feeling here with Coach Pete, too, is, you know, you have a guy who puts – puts everything into it and he puts you know everything that he has into the game and into his players uh, and, and the staff and the whole uh, organization so that makes you you know as a player really motivated and, and you respect that a lot and you just want to 
I play hard for your coach. Hey, Jacob, you know, for a lot of uh, listeners out there, there's, there's young dudes that are playing football and they're watching the games and, and maybe there's someone out there that wants to be, you know, a, a Jacob uh, Hollister. Like, speak to us about, like, what is it like, you know, do you ever have moments when you drive up to, to uh, VMAC and you go like, wow, like, I'm a, I'm a Seahawk, I'm an NFL football player. And then do you ever have those moments like, in a game when you walk into the stadium and you hear the crowd and, and the noise and the introductions and all those types of things, like what is it, what is it like sometimes when, you, when, you, when the reality of that is hitting you all at the same time? Yeah, you know, I think that's, that's one of those things that I have to be reminded of, um, you know, as I'm walking on the field. And I think at the beginning of the year when I wasn't active, uh, that's something that I was reminded of is just how fortunate I am to be in this situation and, um, I was able to go go back home after our Thursday night game and, and watch uh, my high school team over at Mountain View High School, and you know that brought me back down to reality too. And I'm just like, man, I'm I'm so fortunate and blessed to be in this situation that I'm in because you know I was I was there under the Friday night lights and and just wishing and praying to be in this situation one day, and, and here I am. So it's just such a blessing. Um, and it, it definitely takes, you know, family members or friends to kind of mention that to you sometimes and keep your head on track. Just, just realize that, man, you're in, you're in the situation that a lot of people would kill to be in. And, and it's so true. It's just, I mean, getting to play football for your job is just, uh, it's incredible. And, and catching passes from Russell Wilson, like who, yeah, like who wouldn't want to, to do that? You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, sure. Dream. Yeah. yeah. No question, man. I've been, I've been lucky. Uh, with the in the quarterback department for sure. My career, <laughs> yeah, so you have. Yeah. You're a little <laughs> spoiled there, Jacob. Yeah, no question. Well, yeah, hey, coming definitely. coming definitely. from two ex players, I love hearing that you appreciate it that much. That that's really cool, and uh, we're really glad to have you here in Seattle. And and good luck this weekend, Jacob. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All thanks, right, Jacob. thanks, buddy. There he goes, Jacob Hollister. What a what a great kid. We we had a longer interview with him and. Uh, you know, having a twin brother and just all the stuff that he, you know, he was saying about, like, Tom Brady, just a regular guy. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to think about him as a, somebody different, but uh, really a good addition to, to the offense. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk to the professor, and he's going to cover all things NFL. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Ray Roberts. Ray Roberts filling in admirably. He can fill in for two guys. That's how good Ray is, John. Uh, we've got Michael Bumpus and, uh, and Paul Moyer out here usually, and we only need one Ray Roberts to replace those two guys. Well, see, he played one of the five most important positions because... Sorry to say this, Dave, but when you look at the oh, hierarchy no of how guys are paid, I mean, you pay quarterbacks, you pay wide receivers and cornerbacks, you pay pass rushers, and Ray Roberts, the left tackle. You know, I appreciate the shout-out there, John. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, like just how important that position is. And so, oh, stop it. That's enough. You know, I like talking offensive line play, but I particularly like talking about left tackles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, well, I mean, is. honestly, it's like, we, we can talk about the value of linebackers, and the value is certainly there. I mean, you can see it with Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley, all those good different guys. But it, nevertheless, the guys that get paid are the five positions, and unfortunately, it's not necessarily the middle linebacker. It's not nope. necessarily the inside linebacker. It's yep. going to be one of the top five left tackle. 
Yep, yes, and it's not the interior of the line. So basically what it is, the guy's on the edge. Yeah. You're right. You know, and that's the thing. You know, the hash marks are so close together. You've got wide side on every on both sides, and those guys that play out on that edge are the most athletic freaks in the world. And I always try to figure out who do you think, John, I'll ask you too, Ray, who are more athletic, defensive ends or wide receivers? Those are both, like, places where – you right. get like a Julio yeah. Jones or, you know, you <laughs> get Jadavian like a Jadavian Clowney. Clowney. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's wide receivers because, I mean, you got guys that can be 4 three, forty guys. You're not going to see that on the offensive line. But just go to Walter, Walter Jones. I mean, Walter Jones, you know, certainly one of the most athletic offensive tackles you're ever going to find and you know, the fact that he had such great training when he was in high school to a point where they, you know, they put a a, a bus or something like that that we'd have to pull. But uh, you know, ultimately, the wide receivers have to be a little bit more athletic. But as far as just the whole ability to do things, the left tackle is so valuable. John, I'm just going to say one little thing. You kind of like giggled a little bit when you said like the receivers run the 4-3 and then you went, ha, 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 the tackles can't do that. Can't do like that. A, like, uh, obviously I can't run a 4-3, John, but, you know, at 300 pounds. How about 30 yards you can run a 4-3? Well, I mean, I could, I could dunk a basketball any kind of way I wanted to at 330 pounds. I have to, <laughs> I have to block some of the best athletic people in the mm-hmm. world, as Dave just said, go, as I'm going backwards. Like, that takes a lot of talent and skill to do. Speaking See, of the- John, you know, you give him an inch and he takes a mile, right? <laughs> I do. But, John, speaking of, of the edge, right, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with bringing in Clowney and having Anza, uh, and now Darren Reed is in the mix. I know Anza's been a little nicked up. And uh, there, there was all types of data and stuff out now about pr- pressures and sacks and sack rate and all that kind of stuff. Clowney is, like, has one of the top uh, uh, pass rush win rates, but it's not necessarily transfer translating into to maybe even pressures or sacks how do how does like how do you make sense of all of that for Seahawks defense and especially their their pass rush well what you make sense of is you look at all the numbers and all the numbers say that Javadavian Clowney is one of the top six or seven edge rushers in football because he may only have two sacks but he's got all the pressures he's got the knockdowns he's got the all the different things that you need and he's right up there and so he's living up to his part, and plus he's one of the most double-teamed guys in the National Football League. All right, so what you don't see, you don't see those numbers coming from uh, Ziggy Ansa. And after two games, you're not seeing the inside pressure coming from Jaron Reed. Those things have to develop. Clowney's doing his part. I mean, Clowney is playing, uh, and again, maybe ultimately when you look at Clowney, he's not a 10-11 sack guy, but He's a guy that right now is so good at the edge that he's one of the best in football and the guy that's almost like a generational type of guy. He was the first pick in the draft, and you look at, okay, so he doesn't have 13, 14 sacks. He doesn't have the 13 sacks of Frank Clark. But what you look at with Clowney, all the things that he does, he's really good. And it's like he's a guy that they need to resign. I agree, John. I think also you look at how he plays against the run. Not only that, you know, batted down passes, got an interception for touchdown. He gets, he draws lots of holding penalties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so do you, I, I guess he doesn't really have the numbers maybe uh, yet anyway to, to make the Pro Bowl. But what about Pro Bowl players on this team? In your mind, you know, because I'm looking at Tyler Lockett, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, of course, Chris mm-hmm. Carson. Maybe. Carson, I mean, yes, he's on, because he's yeah. he's the he's the best uh, after contact runner in the National Football League, and yeah. he's going to have right now probably 1,100, 1,200 yard season. So you would have to include him. 
I don't know if you include anybody on the offensive line. Clearly, you're right on Bobby Wagner. Um, and then you what have about to start Griffin. Was that Griffin? I'll tell uh, you what. I mean, he too. probably won't make it because nobody knows who he is outside of Seattle. He's yeah. playing at that level. I mean, he's challenging it because you look at the seven defense passes that he's had. You look at how tight he's been in coverage. I mean, again, he may not get the appreciation he should, but he's playing pretty close to a Pro Bowl level. Hey, John, like there's there's been a, you know, after the the win in Atlanta and the way they won, been up 24 uh, nothing at halftime and then having Atlanta call themselves back into the game. And then the next the next week, this past week, it's just been a – it feels like a lot of uh, – like negativity around where the Seahawks are and where they're headed or what they're capable of or what the ceiling is or what the floor is or what the strength of schedule is and all these different kinds of things. But, but the, the, the one thing that I would say is that for the remaining schedule, the Seahawks actually add strength to other teams that they're playing because they're, they have a 6-2 and two record. So, mm-hmm. uh, so how, how, do you, how do you speak to, to that? Like how do, you, how do you get people so far out of the, the, the deep dive of the data – to see that you had eight games to play and you've won six of them. Yeah. Like, like how, how all of a sudden is that a bad thing and you're trying to make an argument for that it's not sustainable going forward? You know, it's not a bad thing. And sure, the second half of the season is going to be uh, tougher than the first half of the season. But I, I, I know when you start to look at the analytics, you look at the remaining games, and right now you can see them winning at least five and six. And it's like you're talking 11 or 12 wins. That's pretty good. I mean, because, uh, sure, I mean, the games have been a little bit closer than expected. Uh, they right now rank 23rd as far as yards allowed, but they're still pretty good as far as points allowed. I mean, again, 20, 25.1, and you know, a lot of that's a, the, the four touchdowns they have allowed on their returns. That's not good, whether it's been an interception return, a kickoff return, a punt return, all those different things. But overall, I mean, this team, I think, when you're talking what the record is, it's exceeded expectations. Maybe they haven't been able to do things, but it, go, it goes to the idea that right now this team's more of a bend-but-don't-break defense, and that's not mm-hmm. accustomed to here in Seattle because it's usually, okay, you're top five, you're top ten as far as defense, but right now they're accepting uh, They'll give up the yards, but they're not necessarily giving up the points. They're not, they make the key stops at the key minutes, and that's the key thing right now for this team. Yeah, and you know they're just a scrappy team. They yeah. just yeah. hang in with their opponents. The other thing I'd, I'd say I was looking at. I mean, there's lots of talk about them having a weak schedule. Well, there's a lot of that going around because you look at the it's Patriots. Their yeah. Uh, yeah, their opponents' win percentage is like 26, mm-hmm. 20, 26 percent. And then uh, same thing with the Niners. They're like 33, 330 uh, winning percentage for their opponents. And the Seahawks are, you know, have had a tougher schedule than that. The other thing is Pete Carroll team since Bobby and I always call it ABR after Bobby and Russell. <laughs> ABR uh, since 2012, they're 44 and 17 in November, December, and January regular season games. So, you know everything that we've known about Pete Carroll coach teams is that they get a lot better in the second half. Well, and and what we can see right now, here's where the obvious is. If they're going to be, I mean, they're they're right now a playoff team, okay? San Francisco could be 8-0 going into the game coming up on Monday night. But overall, you're talking about a team that should be able to make the playoffs, and the key is as quick as they can get the four-man rush. 
if they can get the four-man rush on defense, which San Francisco has, Seattle doesn't have right now, if they can get that, then all of a sudden they're challenging the 49ers for the division. And all, you, you, know, it's like, you notice I'm not talking about the Rams. Right now the Rams are on the yeah. outside looking in because Minnesota and Seattle right now have the best chance to get the wild card, and I don't see that changing. Yeah. Well, and it, it'll be interesting this second half. And I, I think, John, statistically, or they did, uh, they've already come out with the numbers that the Seahawks officially have the hardest schedule going forward. Yeah, I yeah, think that's what I saw. Based yeah. on, yeah, who they have to play. So, yeah, but we'll that's, that, that's only team. because of the division. And you think about the division right now. Okay, so they got Arizona at home, a 500 team. And they've got uh, San Francisco two games. And, of course, what throws it off is the fact they're undefeated. And so it's not as hard as you would think because, you know, you figure Tampa Bay, losing team, Carolina, team right now that's 4-3. and It's not as bad as you would think. I mean, Philadelphia on the road, that could be a tough game, but they're 500. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the schedule. I can get them to 10 wins. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, no, you can get them you, above that. Maybe you pick off a team like Carolina on the road, mm-hmm. Philadelphia on the road. So I they think won four games on the road. That's pretty positive. It's how you just said San Francisco kind of throws that out of whack because they're yeah. undefeated and you have them twice. Because yep. when That's you right. take them out of the equation, then the schedule doesn't look so hard. You have the 500 yeah. teams, a Carolina team that's trending downward. Like, so it, it's so they don't have the toughest schedule down the stretch. I can right. tell you that right now. Yeah. And yeah. it's like nobody that an idiot like I am studies the schedule as much as I do. <laughs> well, John, if you're studying, then therefore you're not an idiot. Okay. Well, so let's get well thank, thank you for the Stanford uh, approach on it. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Professor. Thanks. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And yes. uh, thanks for being on with us. Thank you. Right, there John. he goes, the professor. Coming up next, there's a couple of interesting things we, we can talk about there, Ray. One is Jadavion Clowney, and I, I think that's an interesting discussion just because, you know, he, he does a lot more on the field, I think, than people think. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing would be who are the pro bowlers. We'll talk about the schedule a little bit. Ray Roberts and Dave Wyman up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. It's Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Welcome to the Snoqualmie Casino. We're here live. We'll be here every Thursday night, if unless there's a Thursday night game, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle during the football season. Love the people here at Snoqualmie Casino. They, they take good care of us here, and uh, it's a beautiful place. So come on up here. It's like going on a little mini vacation. Yeah, up here. so just a little short trek yes, outside and of town. Make sure before you leave your house to make sure you plug in Snoqualmie Casino on your map <laughs> so you don't go the wrong way like Ray Roberts did. Exactly. Ray headed towards Canada <laughs> earlier today, but now here it he's may, here. It made getting here all the more fun. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it's good to have you here, Ray. We were talking a little bit about Jadavion Clowney. I think is is really interesting. First of all, the first time I met him when he walked in that little room, the Cortez Kennedy Broadcasting Room, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, wow, he's one of those guys you want to get off the bus first. Right. Like, he's just a very impressive-looking athlete. And like we were talking about with Clayton, he's one of those freakish athletes, you know, like a wide receiver mm-hmm. who has great size and athletic ability. And the, the one play I love to talk about was a sack that he missed. But the reason why I like talking about it is he was double teamed, and John Clayton mentioned the number of times mm-hmm. some nerd sat there and watched how many times he was <laughs> double teamed, and he's one of the you know fourth or fifth most double teamed players in the league. But 
he beat a double team so clean that he fell down. Oh, yeah. Like he was expecting to get more pressure, but he, it was such a – and Brandon Jackson told us that he's an instinct player. Like he right. doesn't go out there with a, I'm going to do this and then that. He just goes out there and lets it happen. So, but, um, you know, he's been very disruptive in the run game. And, you know, he draws penalties. He knocks down passes. He picks off the ball. He scored a touchdown, uh, forced fumble. Yeah, he, he's, the, the thing about him is uh, I, was in, I had moved to Virginia for about five years. And uh, so I've been watching this dude since he was in high school in South Carolina. Like, that's how big his legend was on the, in, on the East Coast. Wow. And that was before he got to South Carolina. Like, it was amazing that he actually went to South Carolina because he could have gone anywhere in the country and he went to South Carolina. And then, so he did amazing things there. The one thing I will say, though, is that given all of the things that he brings to the table and his athleticism, and I think you just hit on it where you said that, uh, uh, that they were saying, like, he's an instinctual player, <clears throat> I, I think he could be a 13-sack dude if he had a definite – pass rush move a plan like, yeah because his move is the is, is the rush with power right he, he does yeah. that a lot bull rush but it's as an offensive tackle if i know that you're way more athletic than i am yeah. i want you to bull rush me mm. because i get to stay between you and the quarterback right. and then it's hard to get off a of bull rush unless you just totally run me over and dump me on my on my rear end it's hard to get off the the bull rush to get a sack mm. because you're so tied up with the offensive lineman and so i would like to see you know, if they re-sign him here during the offseason for him to really work on using his explosion off the ball to really sell his speed and quickness because then that's what puts the fear in the tackles. Because then, then you get the guy's shoulders turned, ready to run him up the field, and then he transfers that speed into power. Mm-hmm. And then his bull rush becomes more, even more dangerous as a pass rush weapon and not just a pressure weapon. That he can, I mean, I think he really could rack up the sacks. And, and I think because he's so athletic, and but now because hearing that he's more instinctual, the places he's been before, it's like he's like a cool little toy. Like, oh, man, we can drop him into coverage. Yeah. We can line him up over the guard. We can put him over the center. He can stand up. He can go three points. Stand. So there's all these different things that you're trying to get him to do, and he does them all well. But I, I do think that he could be an even better pass rusher uh, if there was more attention to maybe using a bull rush as a counter move. And using his speed and quickness as the initial move, as yeah. the initial pass rush. Well, and you mentioned that they have dropped him back into coverage a few mm-hmm. times, and I'm like, that's a waste of resources, yes, man. And I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to be defensive coordinator. Yeah, I've always, either. I've always been kind of a, not a fan of dropping defensive linemen back into coverage because mm-hmm. it's not what they do. Right. You know, Jaron Reed the other day, he had one zip past his his head he was you know dropping back like a linebacker and he didn't get his head around the ball goes right past him didn't end up being a, a completion but yeah i just uh but that's just my my one little complaint i i promise you that kenny norton does a much better yeah. job than i do but you know it's just an interesting question and we talked to clayton about uh what kind of salary you would be paying him that's 20 true. to 22 million dollars i mean has he shown right. that yet i mean i think you're going to need to see four or five, six more games, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, look, you can't. I think that the expectations have been very high for him. Right. And really, if you look at it, like he's, John said, I think uh, he's not necessarily a double-digit sack guy, but what he is is a really disruptive player. Yeah, yes, he is. And, and even the expectation, I think, of when we saw that whole lineup on paper, when it was like, oh, man, you're going to have Anza, you're going to have Clowney, you're going to have Reed, and then you're going to have the, the best linebacking core 
in the whole NFL. So you yeah. saw, like, man, this front seven was going to be something to be reckoned with. But with Anza's injury, with uh, with not having Reed ready, you know, right to be in the season to develop that inside rush, and then and then maybe you can speak to this better than I can, Dave. Bobby Wagner at the end of games, you go like, wow, like he had 18 tackles or he had 13 tackles, but he hasn't like jumped off the screen like he has in the past. And so I don't know if that's scheme stuff because they tend they seem to rush Kendricks more at the quarterback and not blitz Bobby mm-hmm. as much, but. I don't know if you get the same feel that I get, but I feel like, man, like, where's Bobby? Like, I, yeah. I want to I see that big hit, that interception. That All I don't right. know if that's something that you've been able to see with Bobby in that front seven. We, we talked about it before the game, and uh, Rabel and I were talking about keys to the game, and I said I think two things are going to happen here very soon, very quickly. One is going to be they're going to start to get sacks, and the other is going to be Bobby Wagner's going to make a bunch of big plays. Right. You know, like he had that game last year, but, I mean, look, you know, one of the things is I, I've complained in the past about, you know, do they take on blockers right. enough? But if you watch Bobby, and this is something I read about Dick Butkus back in the day. <laughs> I mean, he was a big punishing linebacker, right. right? Well, the offensive linemen all said, yeah, he's not that tough because he wasn't trying to hit offensive linemen. Right. He was trying to hit the running back, and that's really the point of playing mm-hmm. linebacker. And so Bobby does kind of dance around blocks, but he's really good at it. There was a lead play the other day where – fullback just a eye formation a fullback and a tailback and i was watching this play going this is the difference between me and bobby <laughs> i would have ran up there and tried to kill that fullback and not made a tackle and he probably would have ran for 10 yards bobby goes up there and just puts this really quick move on the fullback gets around and makes a tackle for one yard game right so i mean that's it's just a different style of, of how him and kj both play so you know i think bobby is he is he a pro bowler in your mind or do you think he needs more? Well, you know, I, I think if you look at his tackle totals, like they're going to be he's got seventy-five. Gonna, yeah, it's going to have a lot of tackles. So you're going to you're going to look at him and go like, yeah, he. If you if you haven't seen him play, and you know how the Pro Bowl voting goes for players, sometimes you just see the stats and you go, oh well, yeah, he's still the Madden ninety-nine guy. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's Bobby Wagner. He's going to get the the automatic vote, uh, and he should. He's earned that respect. But but as a but as a fan. And just knowing the impact that Bobby can have on it on a on a on a game, I, I can't say that he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's yeah. just not playing at the level that that I have become accustomed to seeing how he just pops off the screen, like you like you said, making plays like that, or how he can shut down the run game by himself, or bat down the ball to get a big hit across the middle, pick up a fumble, get it like in the San Francisco game last year. Yeah, yeah, or or like the Rams game last year here where they blitzed him a few times and he was, like, just blowing up golf, even though he wasn't getting the sack, but he was killing him. Yeah. And that, that really impacted the game. And so, like, that, that type of stuff, you know, is, is what I'm accustomed to seeing Bobby doing. Yeah, and I, other pro bowlers possible. Chris Carson is headed for over 1,300 yards right yeah. now, and we're at the halfway point. Uh, three touchdowns for him. Uh, I feel like Tyler Lockett definitely has to be in there. He's headed for 1,200 yards. and. Eight touchdowns. I can do the math on these easy halfway through, Bray. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, and then, you know, I'm looking at, uh, how about Shaquille Griffin? So he's got eight passes broken up. He is playing really well right now. Um, I think he needs to get some interceptions before um, before he is maybe, th- you think about him as a pro bowler, but he sure has played well within this defense yeah and he's played well in comparison to what he's played in the past i think he was on your show 
uh, at the beginning of the season, he said he gave himself an F or something like right. that for yeah, D minus, D minus yeah. something for last year, and which is like you know we're all our own worst critics, so right. it wasn't that bad. Especially <laughs> if you're a good pro, like <laughs> yeah. I would say, it's a tortured existence, right? Exactly. You, yeah. you don't ever think about your good plays; you think you about, think the about all play. the bad plays. And so, but when you look at the weekly Pro Football Focus ratings of like defensive backs, he's every week he's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like he, like a few weeks he's been in like the top five. One or one week or so, he was like the number one uh, cover corner. So like, if 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 guys are paying attention to that type of stuff more and more, it seems yeah. he he may have an outside chance of being like an alternate or something. Like you said, the interceptions may hurt him, but uh, but if you watch him play football, uh, he has done a very good job of stepping up his game from where he was last year. First of all, recognizing where he needed to step up his fitness, his coverage skills, his mentality, and all those kinds of things, and then going and correcting and improving on it. So he's done a really good job with that this year. How impressive was Jamarco Jones' performance in that Ram game? He's a tackle. Guy got drafted out of Ohio State I'm just going to say, look at the – I got goosebumps. Because Jamarco Jones, Dave, like – and I said this on Twitter, and and I'm not trying to overpraise him, but I was trying to think of, like, who he reminds me of. And he reminded me of Kevin Mawai. So when Kevin Mawai came here as a as a rookie, I think he was a third round draft pick out of LSU, who had played center, and uh, but we had I think Joe Toffelmeyer or Ray Donaldson was the center at the time, and so so he backed up center, but he played both guard spots, and he even played some tackle sometime in his in his rookie year, and he did it so efficiently and effectively, you knew at some point wherever he plugged in, he was going to be a really good football player. And, uh, and that's what I see in Jamarco. The dude is so smooth and athletic and powerful, and he keeps, like, good power angles, like, in, the, in his knee bend and in his keeping his pads low and his hand placement. And to be able to play both sides of the ball uh, in positions he had never played before. Yeah. Uh, but then also I think he's a, he's, he has a chance to really compete for that right tackle spot uh, next year as well. And he took snaps at center yeah. last week. This dude, I nicknamed him the truth because he is, <laughs> he is the truth. And I, I, he's going to be hard to keep off the field next year. Well, and I'll tell you what, you'd be happy to know. We re- interviewed him actually today on the huddle, and uh, somebody said something about him doing a good job, and he looked him right in the eye and said, I really appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> I'm like, this guy is very, for a guy in his second year, he doesn't get rattled. No, he is not very, at all. Yeah, very calm. Uh, I just, I think the future is I'm really glad you brought him up because I really, I, I really wanted to, to – to do like three more segments on yeah, him. Yeah, because the dude, I mean, it's just really awesome to watch him play, Dave. Like, yeah. he, he's very smooth. Uh, he's, he plays with power. He can play with athleticism. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to seeing him get more reps. All right, coming up next, right here on Hawks Live, we're going to go inside the film room and we're going to check out three of the biggest plays in the win over the Falcons last week. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Ray Roberts, Dave Wyman, and we're going to go inside the film room. Ray, you know, at the end of my career, I was so sick of watching film. (laughs) And now I love it again because I don't have to watch it all the time. But uh, Nasa Chobi, our executive producer, puts together clips for us uh, every week to, to take a look at. Do uh, you feel that same way about film, by the way? Uh, you Do you know, get tired of it at the end? Yeah, I, I, I did. I did. I never. I, you know what's interesting? I think I was like, you know how they say clowny plays on instincts? Like, I did that a lot, too. Like, I could, I could in, in the game, I could understand where I faltered, like where I needed to be better. 
and I didn't. I would sleep through the film most of the time. <laughs> but but then I just told NASA last night. I got up and watched the last two Seahawks games and the last week's Tampa Bay game uh, on film because I could kind of do it when I wanted to do it because I wanted to do it, not because someone was making me do it. Not because you had to. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Sitting in a meeting room. Uh, All right. Well, let's look at this first play. And, uh, you know, DK Metcalf, I don't know how you feel about him, Ray, because we haven't talked about him, but I feel like he is maybe the best rookie that they've had around here in a long time. I feel that way about Marquise Blair, although I haven't spoken to him, but I've spoken to DK Metcalf a couple of times. And DK Metcalf is just mature. Uh, He doesn't play like a rookie. And the other day on second goal at the Atlanta 4, he made a really heads-up play. Metcalf and Lockett in a tight slot on the left side. Quick snap to Russell, who's going to throw inside. Touchdown, Seahawks! DK Metcalf! Hawks got right up to the line of scrimmage. Quick snap count by Russell, and Metcalf was right in the middle of the field all by his lonesome from four yards out. The Seahawks lead the Falcons 9-0. Yeah, and so on this play, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were lined up in kind of a a close formation. Um, All 11 players were, like, within, you know, inside the tackle box, but you could tell that, First of all, Russell hurried them up there because yes. they were confused defensively. They were trying to switch sides and get a, a matchup. But then also uh, it looked like uh, there was a little bit of a mistake there where both guys went out and followed Tyler Lockett out to the outside zone. DK Metcalf, just like a veteran, just sat down in his zone, caught probably the easiest touchdown he'll ever have. Well, that's the thing that was impressive to me about that situation is that uh, they knew. I think you know. I think the whole offensive knew that they were kind of rushing the defense, and then for DK, right as the ball is snapping, he already has his head turned to the quarterback, immediately making himself available to the quarterback and not just blindly running to a spot and turning around. And so, to me, that shows like some awareness on his part. But it also, to me, may speak a little bit to the the, the workouts that he did with Russell during the off season and just being familiar with where Russell's going to put the ball, where he, how he needs to make himself available in, that, in a situation like that. And, uh, but the one thing I will say is that I did hear him on, on the radio the other day saying um, he, he wanted to not act like a rookie, so yeah, he wouldn't call like him a rookie. rookie. And I'm just like, yeah, too bad, dude. It's, it's <laughs> like, for 100 years, dudes like you have been called a rookie. Like, for, like I thought my first name was Rookie. Yeah. Like my, my first year. So it doesn't matter how well you play or, or what you do, you're going to be rookie until next year. Uh, but but not nah, uh, the, the thing I like about DK is that when you look at his stats for the year, I think he has four touchdowns, about 402 yards uh, receiving. And they I think they haven't even really figured out how they want to use him and, and, and having him that involved in the offense yet. He's the most targeted receiver in the, in the uh, end zone. And so I think I'm – very well pleased at where he is right now in the production and what he's brought to the team. The other thing I love about him is once he gets the ball in his hands, he's looking to attack people. Yeah, yeah downfield runner. And, yeah, and so he's a big physical physical guy, and I just I love the way he plays. Very mature guy. Next play, uh, linebackers love getting interceptions. Man, <laughs> you ask just about any linebacker, he wants to get his hands on the ball. And on this play, which ended up being an RPO, it was uh, something that I diagrammed on 710sports.com, do a little thing called Football 101. And, uh, you know, it kind of took took uh, everybody through what this looks like, what an RPO is. And Michael Kendricks read this run-pass option really well, and uh, he, he it paid off for him. 
Chop from the shotgun, play fake, looks, going to throw one down the seam. It's intercepted, Kendricks. Matt Schaub was throwing down the seam, trying to get to Julio Jones, and leaping to make the interception was Michael Kendricks. And the Seahawks take over in Atlanta territory. I thought it was a really good job of him. Uh, we were talking to Cody Barton about this. He said he didn't have any outside uh, run gap responsibility is one of the reasons why he dropped. But if you look at both Bobby and KJ, they both step up, at, you know, a couple of steps to check run. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, because they get pretty aggressive blocking on that side. Right. But on the backside, Jake Matthews, he sets up and pass blocking. It's, it's a little bit more obvious. And then the other thing is I think Michael Kendricks took a little peek out there and saw something in Julio Jones. The way he was standing, you know, and we, we talked about that with Cody. As a defensive player, you can tell sometimes when a guy, unless they really sell it, you can tell if the ball's coming to them. Yeah. They're a little bit more extra ready or nervous. Well, it's interesting. that uh, My son Price did uh, Russell Wilson's uh, uh, quarterback academy that's run by Jake Heaps, and both uh, – Jake and Russell did a good job of talking to the quarterbacks about looking at the posture of the of the defenders. Hmm. Like what posture? And you can tell like where their body lean is, where their weight is, if they're dropping, if they're coming, like what they're doing. And so I think you know maybe he saw that uh, in Julio. But the thing that I noticed, Dave, was that he when he I think he he had a suspicion that that was coming. Obviously somehow, but you can tell that as soon as uh, Schaub went to the throwing motion his backpedal accelerated because he knew exactly where the ball was coming. And then he was able to get right in, into that lane. So he did a lot of dissecting on the move in that, in, on this play right here, which speaks to the dude's athleticism. It speaks to his ability. It speaks to, like, why he's one of the three uh, in this core of great linebackers. Yeah, and he's the reason why they're not taking a linebacker off the field and putting a, a nickel guy out there. You're, you've got a, a better player out there on the field. There's some matchup problems maybe uh, along the way, but I think they've benefited from it. And one of the reasons why he's out there so much is because of plays like this. Yes. Just very athletic, and uh, he's really low to the ground too. And, you know, here's one thing that I've been defending him on, not that I, he needs me to defend him, but people have been saying he misses lot, lots of tackles. Mm-hmm. In, and Bob Stelton put it like it's like a, a shortstop with really good range. Right. I mean, that guy – He's going to get to balls that other people aren't going to, and it's going to tip off of his glove, and then it looks like, oh, he missed that one. But right. I think Kendricks gets to more tackles than other guys do. Right. And so the ones that he does fall off of, I don't think any of the other players would be close. Well, the other thing, too, is I love that dude's motor. Like, yeah. as, a, as an offensive lineman, those are the worst dudes to play against because even when you think you have them blocked – they never think they're blocked. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, and so there's nothing that tells them, hey, I'm not going to get there, and they slow down. They just keep going. It's like a John Randall uh, uh, type of player who just win, lose, a draw. He's coming at you with the same effort uh, every single time, so you have to be on top of your game every single time. So I see a lot of that in Kendrick's. Three plays here. We got two uh, with, with rookies, and I, I mentioned both these guys that I love. D.K. Metcalf, of course. Marquise Blair is another guy. Just I love the way he plays. I think that they need to get him out there on the field, and they're doing it right now. And he made a huge play that was very important in this game. Now he calls it a four-man rush for the Hawks to throw inside to Freeman, makes the catch. He drops the ball and comes out. Bobby Wagner picks it up. 
and he brings it back to the five-yard line. Devontae Freeman was trying to reach the ball across the goal line. It came out. The Seahawks recover inside the five. Falcons are saying the ball was down. Seahawks have the ball. Play stands. They're playing a zone here, and, you know, down by the goal line, you get you got to mix it up. You can't play all man down there, and Marquise Blair was kind of up in the box alignment-wise and then dropped out to the outside, passed one receiver off to the corner, and then kind of jumped the route with, uh, with Bobby Wagner. And you could see on the replay, it's amazing. It's almost like his brain was going in slow motion because mm-hmm. he was, like, putting his hand on the ball. You could see the concentration and the and the effort that he made to get this ball out. And this was a key turnover. I mean, if they don't get this, I think this is a different game. Yeah, and the, the thing too, Dave, is like I've heard some people this week say they got lucky with the turnover right here. And this, there was no luck involved in this. This was no. all, like you just said, like he first of all came, came off his, his drop, he secured the tackle, and – you know, in the preseason, he had a couple penalties for how he was tackling. You can tell that right. he has learned from that, so he, he kind of led with his shoulder. And then as the tackle, as the ball carrier is going down, he is reaching out, like you said, to knock the hand out. There's nothing lucky about that. That was all because of effort and because of a great play that, that created a turnover. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's been some uh, criticism. Part of the hand-wringing this week has been over the defense giving up that many yards to, to Matt Schaub. But this is kind of a, a throwback type of play for what the Seahawks defense used to be about. Yeah. They're like, if you're going to march 70 yards down the field, a 12-play drive, at some point you're going to make a mistake or we're going to get a turnover. Well, the, the other thing, too, is right after the game, I think there was a stat that said, I think since Pete Carroll has been here, there's been like five times a quarterback has passed for like 460 yards or more. Sales has won every single one of those games. Isn't that something? <laughs> so, yeah. so sometimes you can take the stats and just throw them right out the window. You know, you know, <laughs> they, right. don't, they don't mean anything. Yeah. Well, coming up next, we'll talk to another rookie, LJ Collier, who was the, the first-round draft choice out of TCU. He's going to sit down with our own Taylor Jacobs, play a little video games, and do a little interview. That's next. Oh, they're going to play NBA 2K 2020. Yeah, Are you any I, good at that, Ray? No, they, they changed up how do you shoot, and you have to use more touch and release and stuff, and I, I can't. You can Can't give me it. Steph Curry, and I'll go one for 30. We've got to get you playing some of these guys. I, I, I can play the football one. I can play yeah. Madden, but the basketball, <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll see how Taylor Jacobs does. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Joining me now in Hawks Live Gaming, LJ Collier. We had to get going. We were, we were too busy chatting beforehand. We had to jump right into it. So we'll jump right into the gaming, right into the conversation here as we play a little NBA 2K20. Big 2K fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah? It's my ish. Yeah. <laughs> so of all the uh, teams, I guess, are you, are you watching still the NBA? Or? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'm a Lakers fan. Okay. I'm excited. So... AD and Braun in six. Tell me about oh in six. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna win it all this year. There we go. Big claims. What, what what did you think after that opening game? I know some people had some thoughts. Clippers first game. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard's the real deal. Like no, there's no if ands or buts around. Yeah, dude can play it. I, mean, I swear he doesn't breathe. But you know, <laughs> I'm not really a LeBron fan, but he can. LeBron James is the best basketball player in the world. Yeah, he does this for a reason. He's gonna stay calm. We're gonna do what we gotta do. Do you think he's the greatest of all time? Nah, Kobe Bryant is. Oh, 
Kobe Bryant. There you go. Hey, man. Why Kobe? Over Jordan and LeBron. What? He's just nasty, man. His mentality, what he do, he's, just, he's a scorer, man. He, he's just a dog. And, like, you see, like, just like what's going on with Kyrie Irving right now. People are mad at him. I mean, he's just passionate. That's why he went to the Nets, because he didn't want to go somewhere and join somebody, because he want to do it himself. That's yep. how I see it. I don't know, man. He's just passionate. He want to win. LJ with the 76ers here. Me, I'm going Boston Celtics. And we'll, uh, we'll tip things off here. Bad record for me so far in this game, so I'm hoping to try and get a W. <laughs> Dwayne beat me by, I think, 20 points. And uh, we got closer on, like, Leno and everyone else. But see, early pass, man. Rookie year. I'm sure you're learning a lot so far about the game and the NFL at, at this level, but what's been one of the biggest lessons so far that you've learned this year? Training camp's a big deal. You need that. Yep. And really just, man, every practice counts because, you know, Sunday gets here quick. I mean, you can't take any day for granted. You really got to be on your technique, man. You got to be technique sound. And really, the NFL humbled me when I first got here. I ain't going to lie to you. And I found out what I really need to work on and what I need to get better at. I'm just... What do you do, uh, what what do you think you need to get better at? Technique, you know. There's plenty of better things. You know, I'm gonna take a look at myself after the season and just reevaluate with my team, and we're gonna get together. We're gonna do what we gotta do because, you know, this is a you know big pro program, and they're used to winning. And you know, I wanna be a part of that any way I can. Yeah. So. Oh, you gave me that one. I'll just say you gave me that one. You're being nice. You're in the locker room and you're in that meeting room with a couple guys like Jadavian Clowney and Ziggy Onso. What's it like having a couple veterans like that in that locker room to help in your first year? It's awesome, man. Those guys are, man, they're well established, man. Just seeing how they work and how they grind and just, I'm getting it from all aspects. Those guys have been in the league 10 years, you know, to two to four, and I'm figuring out how they like it and how they get things done and how they do things, yep. you know? So I'm just figuring out where I kind of like myself and how I can do things. It's just showing me what I need to do it. I'm taking a little bit from everybody. I love that. What, what, what else are you taking from the other position groups? Because I know some people don't even think about that, but what are you learning from the other groups out there? Man, Bobby Wagner is just... Uh, yeah, tell me about that. Unreal, man. His work ethic, him and KJ, man. Russ, all those guys, look how they just strictly work for them. And, you know, they work hard. They come up here. They don't say much. And, you know, that's why they're in the position they're in. Yeah, I mean, that guy's 99 on Madden for a reason. I don't think they just give those away. So. Oh, yeah, I don't either, man. You yeah. can just see, like, <laughs> like their work ethic and stuff like that. And That's why I was so excited to come here, man, just to get to work with those guys. And, you know, they're the best in the game for a reason. And they've been the best for a long time, man. Like, yep. I ain't gonna lie, when I was in high school, it was like a point in time where I thought Seattle was unbeatable. Yeah. So, you know, LOB, you know, all those guys. Tell me what it was like when you got that call, letting you know that, hey, you're, you're, you're coming up here. You're going to be a part of this organization. Man, it was just unreal because, you know, I didn't think I was going to go in the first round that day. And me and my family were, you know, I, I told my agent I really didn't even want to, you know, have it that day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he convinced me. And just for those guys to take a chance on me and give me an opportunity to come here and be with this great football team. And it's unreal, it's unreal man. I love it. You I know, love I love that. it here. And I love the atmosphere. I love the environment. And, you know, even before I got here, people were telling me <clears throat> just... The atmosphere out here. Yeah. You know, one, some guy was like, man, if you get to go anywhere, man, say I was a good place, you know. And I really believe that just because some guys have came here this year, JD, you know, Al, Ziggy, they all come from different places in here, and, you know, it just makes me want to grind hard and be here, and, you know, because I felt like, you know, if I'm going to do anything, you know, why not? You know, Russ is playing unbelievable. He's playing his best ball right now, and he's the best quarterback in the league, me, right now, just from watching stats and stuff yeah. like that. And, I feel like, man, it's just something you want to be a part of. Yeah. You know, this is why I need to, I feel like I need to grab another gear, you know, 
help. That's what they brought me here to help out, you know, just do my role, and that's what I want to do. Love that. All right, 10-4, start of the second here. LJ and, I guess, TJ. I'll go by my initials today. Um, oh, man, come on. Can't commit to that. Oh, come on. Oh, oh out wow. Out of bounds. That's my ball. If you were the coach of the Seahawks basketball team, you had to draft five guys. What five guys are you are you putting on your roster? Ooh, that's three. Uh, let's go. Uh, was it Malik Turner? He's a he's a good shooter. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go Bobby. I feel like he's pretty good. Yep. Uh, where am I at? George, Malik, Bobby. Bobby. Mm. I'm going my dog Coach Norton because he came up there and okay, put on. Okay, there we go. No one's taking a coach so far. I like that. I'm going Coach Norton. <laughs> mm, who's the last one? Who got that jumper, man? I'm going to go Chris Carson. He had a good jumper. Anytime uh, I seen Chris get up okay. there, hey, man. He can, I, I like you know, that man. team. Hey, man, I feel like we got a solid squad there. Yeah, that's a pretty physical team. I like that. Coach us up, man. We got yeah. George at the five. What, what's yeah. your coaching style? What's, what sort of inspiration are you going to instill in your team here? Okay, man, we're going to run the court. Yeah. Hey, keep the ball moving. The ball don't touch the floor. Keep it rolling. <laughs> so I have to ask this question. You're a Texas guy. I think one of the biggest questions we talk about here in this country is the best barbecue. Texas for sure, but I'm I'm the type of guy that, like, there's a few places you can go, but I, I enjoy my dad's barbecue. There you go. What 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 does your dad do? What's the specific dish that you just... He make ribs. He can smoke a brisket, you know, but I ain't gonna lie. The best ribs I've ever eaten had to be my aunt, my aunt Nikki. Really? It's unreal. I don't know what she puts on them. <laughs> and I went home in May, and my aunt Curlin made a brisket that was so good. You didn't need any sauce. It was just straight. You know, no sauce with it. It was just straight meat. I was like, God. Ah. It's unreal, man. It makes that's, this, that's the type of stuff you want to go home for, man. Yep. As far as this defense and some of the things that you, I guess, you've, you've talked about the lessons you've learned and the things you want to improve on, but watching these other guys, what's been the most fun about watching and being a part of this Seahawks defense? Because, you know, it's usually all, it's all business. We're talking about those types of things. But what, what's been just the most flat-out fun for you? Man, just how much everybody's just enjoying life, man. Just the atmosphere here, how much Pete and them really care about, you know, just making it fun here. You know, I'm not just coming up here, all right, well, we pay you, so you gotta do this and that. And, and I've never been anywhere else, so I don't really know, but I know just coming from college where, you know, you're just a number and they see you that, they see you as actual people here, and, you know, and they try to make it fun. And if you do if you do your job at a high level, you know, they'll work with you. And I like that, man. Yep. Just, everything's cool, man. I, I love it, right? Okay. Ooh. What? My first green comes at the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Which I should do is get a professional in here, have him play. Oh, <laughs> see, get a guy who yeah. see, I was waiting for the smack talk to start. It took a few weeks, but here we go. Now, now, now we're getting into it. LJ, when you're off the court, what are what are some of the things that you like to do when you go home? Uh, when you're not playing 2K, when you're not smoking fools in 2K, what do you like to do? I uh, really just like to relax, man. I am told you I'm a big gamer. I'm not just straight like where I play just like these video games and like... Sports video games? Yeah, I like to play all types. Like that game called... I switched to PS4 because they had uh, got the new God of War coming out. Yep. And then... Uh, what was that? Okay, they had that Spider-Man come out on PS4. They that did. was awesome. And they got the this new, uh, you know, first-person Star Wars game coming out in a month on the 15th. Yep. That's Fall in order, I think. Mm -hmm. yep. That'll be pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I watched it for a while. They got a Avengers game coming out where you can play with 
Black yeah. uh, Black Widow. Yeah, you can customize the Avengers, so you can like customize what Iron Man's suit's gonna be like, and you can customize the you Hulk. You play as the Hulk. Yeah. Like, it's gonna be awesome, man. Like, I really like doing stuff like that, because, you know, I'm doing this 24-7, 365, and yep. just like something to help me wind down. And... Did you play games as a kid, too? Is that something you like to do growing up? Oh, yeah, but I kind of, once I got to college, man, I got more in. Yep. So, did you ever play any of those NCAA football games? Were you a big fan of this? I'm telling you, before I started playing, uh, <laughs> playing this, like 2K, my player, Road to Glory was where it was at. You know, I've never really, I like Madden, but Road to Glory was something different, man. You know, yeah, Campus your, Legend. You know, keep your, well, I used to do kind of cheating. You know, I created, <laughs> I create a player. I think everyone did that, right? You made yourself a 99. Yeah. You were a freshman. You know, I, you know, I never played my actual position. You yeah, know. running back, but also, you know. Would return kick. You sleep. I play QB. <laughs> I remember one year I went to Toledo, won the Heisman four there years you go. ago, and went to the Natty. <laughs> it's a blowout. It's not good. If you're a Boston fan, you might want to look away. LJ putting in work, 45-22. Take a bow. One of the best to have on 2K yet. We'll try and see if we can get a best of matchup here, but LJ, appreciate it, my man. Appreciate you, man. All right, there they go, LJ Collier, Taylor Jacobs. I like to think that Taylor is throwing these games just to make the uh, the players feel better about themselves. Well, we'll wrap it up next. Uh, Ray Roberts, Dave Wyman here at the Snoqualmie Casino on Hawks Live, and we'll give you our final predictions and wrap up the show. That's next. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino, Hawks Live. Let's wrap it up here, Ray. What do you think about this team? We've talked a lot about um, tonight that... uh, People, I use the term hand wringing. I don't know why. I guess that means like you're nervous. You're yeah. worried about, you know, you're worried about this team. They're six and two. Uh, if somebody told you at the beginning of the, it, it's like a bad golf shot, right? You know, if you hit it off the sandy can and then it hits the tree and then it hits a rock, but it lands like a foot from the hole, you don't care. I, I don't care. You don't care what it looks like. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Coming into the season, uh, Someone asked me what would I predict the Seahawks record to be, and I started at eight and eight, and wow. so they're they're more than they're well on their way to winning more than eight games. Uh, and then when I when they talk about the strength of the schedule and what's coming up or the next game and all that, man, it's it is a it is a one game season, and so if you can figure out in that week in that game how to win that game, that's that's really all that matters. And 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 in that format. Against all the other teams we have left to play, I'm taking Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson every single day, and I've said this all week and twice on Sunday mm. because because I just their their history, Russell's ability to to to, uh, to make plays in the in moments that plays need to be made, and then even even Pete sometimes when it seems like he's getting in his own way, like in the crucial moments, he more times than not comes comes up with the with the right thing to do, and so if if there was something I was looking for for this week. It would be it would be to just win the game, and then to shut up all of the hand ringers and all the <laughs> all the people that are chasing all the data and the stat that's trying to tell us that there's something other than six and two, and uh, and so to get to seven and two, that's that's the key stat for the whole for the whole week. I think the the reason why people do that is because they don't want to get hurt. 
They don't want to go all in <laughs> yeah, yeah, and go, yeah. yeah, I'm a Seahawk fan. And then the, and then people say, oh, you were foolish to do that. Well, yeah, yeah. who cares? Let's say you are. I'm all in, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're right about the, the one-game season because I'm looking at Tampa Bay, like we said earlier, and Dominican Sue, Vita mm-hmm. Vea, Levante David. I mean, it's going to be like that every week. Yeah. Every week you, you look at it. But, but, again, I think we forget we have Russell Wilson. Rabel yeah. and I, uh, the keys to the game is something that we do before mm-hmm. the game starts. So we decided that we're going to start doing a Russell Wilson amazing stat of the week. <laughs> and one of them last week was that they were, he's now 30 and 7. He was 29 and 7 after a regular season loss, right. which is a better win percentage than anybody in, since the 1970 merger. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, there's things like that, and you have Russell Wilson. He's now got, what, 30 uh, overtime or fourth-quarter comeback wins. Mm-hmm. And so, and the other thing is Pete Carroll with Bobby and Russell, so since 2012, 44-17 in the regular season in November, December, and January. So this team finishes strong historically. Yeah, and, and like, we're, I think we may have said this off the air, is that, if if you're so if you think that the first eight games is just a, a house of mirrors, look at the rest of the schedule and tell me a game that you think the Seahawks cannot win. Yeah. <laughs> like like well, you, I, when you look at the schedule, you're like, they could win every single one of those these sure. games. Like even if, 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 so, there's not a team or a game that you look at and go like, well, for sure they're going to lose that game. And and so that's why my money is still on the Seahawks, even with the with the Forty Niners playing the way they the, the way they've played. And I'm not a dude that's just trying to go with the Seahawks because we're covering the Seahawks. Uh, I just still put my money on on the Seahawks, even in that situation against the Forty ers Yeah, you're right. And then you know, look at think about last year, uh, the Carolina game. There'll be an unlikely win, right? You know, whether it's you know at Carolina, at the Rams, at, at Philly, yeah, even San Francisco. I mean, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have a game like that so yeah it's uh just enjoy the ride enjoy six and two everybody enjoy the ride and enjoy seeing the greatness of russell wilson seeing the the, the continued development of dk metcalf the unbelievable catches of of uh, tyler lockett the physical run and play of chris carson the the madden 99 of uh, uh bobby wagner yeah. you know watching uh you know shaquille griffin coming on and playing good football blair adding some pop in the set like yeah. Invest in those things instead of trying to invest in the data that's trying to tell you that they're going to be something other than what they've already been. Yeah, and don't invest in your worries. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. Be strong, Seahawk fans. All right, for Ray, thanks, man. That oh, was fun. appreciate it, brother. Had a blast, and uh, I'm not sure how much we're going to get Ray back this week, but I'll take as much big Ray Roberts as, as we can get here. I have time to redeem, brother. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank uh, LJ Collier, uh, Jacob Hollister, for being on with us. Uh, NASA Chobie's our executive producer up here. I want to thank Brennan Hutchison and back on the board, Brian Shoning. For Ray Roberts, I'm Dave Wyman. We'll talk to you next week on Hawks Live. Hawks Hawks Live. Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. All new this year, a Seahawks player every week will sit down for an interview while playing their favorite video game. Watch the interview on our Twitch channel, youtube.com slash mynorthwest and 710sports.com.